0: introduce the lesson tonight with a text from Ephesians, if you were to go there in chapter four. And while you're turning, I'd like to acknowledge Brother Min that's here with us tonight. Would you make him feel welcome? We're so grateful. Just to have him in service with us impacts the service with us. And, uh, and I, I thought of him because the first, uh, first words of these verses Would identify him. And the Bible, Paul speaking to the church in Ephesus, it says, And God gave some apostles, of which Brother Min is, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. And and then God goes about through Paul speaking to the church at Ephesus about what he has a desire to do. God said, For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, For the edifying of the body of Christ. And and that is a job description that is a lifelong pursuit and a passion for churches. And as people of God, there's something that should spark in our spirit when we begin to read that. That God has a plan of perfecting the saints. Because we all know we are perfect. And that God has a plan for the work of the ministry to be accomplished through you and I. And that God has an intention to edify the body of Christ that God has an intention for, the body of believers that represents his bride to be represented in this world in a positive manner and measure. And Paul goes on, he said, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of Man unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So until we get to that place of measuring up to Christ, We are on this pursuit of becoming who God has called us to be. And we can look at that corporately, and I I like, if I'm like you, I like to look at it corporately because it lets us sit back in the shadows until the church emerges beautiful and perfect and white and ready. But the reality tonight is, the reality tonight is that we are that bride. And we are the ones that as we grow in Christ, we become the part of that body that God sees as becoming in that measurement of the fullness of Christ. How many are on a journey to become greater? So, well, I've got the right message tonight. (laughs) The scripture goes on to say that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning and craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive but speaking the truth in love we may grow up into him someone say grow up into him in all things which is the head even Christ from whom the whole body fitly joined together see that's our part is that we all have a role to play in this body and so as much as we'd love to stand back in the shadows and wait for the bride to emerge on the aisle of eternity how many love that moment in weddings I mean, I get to see it from this perspective often. It's it's awesome. I get to see everyone stand. I get to see everyone turn. I get to see the groom, the tear begin to trickle down his cheek. I get to see him in that moment when the bride breaks through onto the horizon, and it's a beautiful moment, and it's a picture of what is going to come to pass with Christ and the church. It's wonderful. It's beautiful, and and and, and every eye gets turned, and every eye. But but in order for us, you know, think about the preparation that the bride has to become the bride think about all the the uh, parts and parcels and think about the the planning and think about the 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 dress and think about all of the elements that create the moment that she steps into the room think just think about all that and then mirror it to the church because that's who we are we are his bride and God is preparing us and God is making us ready. And, and I just came with a reminder tonight in the middle of a little lesson that he's coming soon. You know, you know. He, we talked a little bit about it—five wise and five foolish virgins—in that bridegroom on Sunday night. But, but there is a reminder that we need to keep in the forefront of our minds right now: is that Jesus is coming soon, and I want to be ready. I don't want to be caught unaware. I don't want to. I don't. Come on, I want to be ready in every part that we can play, in every role that we can do, in everything that we can accomplish to become that bride that he is challenging us to become, then, then that is what we have a desire to do. I want to grow in Christ. I, I want to grow until we are, we are raised in the stature and co- in, in comparing ourselves to him. We want to become like him. We want to be his bride. And, and that goal of becoming, that, that's going to become something in our spirit. Because it's easy for us to be content with what God has already done and say, well, I'm just going to hold on until, I'm just going to hold on until he breaks through the eastern sky and I'm going to hold on until that trumpet sounds and I'm, but God is saying, no, I'm not asking you just to hold on. I'm asking you to grow until, until he comes, there is this call to grow. And uh, i I like to just kind of put a little picture up here for us tonight. Interspersed through different places in Scripture, we find the picture of the blacksmith shop. And sometimes it's not always in a positive context. It's the blacksmith that did all the good work, but then it was the the blacksmith that also created the idols that people would worship. And, And so sometimes it's not always in a positive context that we read about the blacksmith, but the picture of the process is there in Scripture and Isaiah chapter 44 and verse 12, it speaks of the blacksmith. It says, the smith with the tongs both worketh in the coals and fashioneth with hammers and worketh it with the strength of his arms. There is this job that the blacksmith goes into knowing that it's not going to be easy. It's not, it's not going to be an easy task to complete the product that I'm working on right now but I'm willing to undergo the task until it's completed because at the end, the product is going to be worth the effort. I'm not completely familiar with ancient history and all of the refining of raw materials and metals, but I'm certain that it must have been difficult both to find and to form steel. We know that it was because there were seasons in Israel's history where she didn't even have a blacksmith. And that she had to look to the Philistines and, and there were seasons in her history where that, that occupation wasn't even identified amongst her people. And I'm certain that the fabrication of those materials must have been challenging in ancient times as well. The art of taking the raw material and, and creating the steel, but then to take the steel and work the steel until it became something with very limited and primitive tools. That must have taken a great deal of effort and patience and care. And, I, and if we just consider for a moment the substance of steel, the wonderful thing about it is that it's strong. It, it's powerful. It's, it's heavy. It's enduring. It, it, it lasts. But the very things that make it valuable are the very things that make it difficult to work with. However, if you were persistent and you worked with the product, it became incredibly valuable. And the willingness to work with the product has got to be something that we put deep in our spirit and understand that God is working with us. He is the blacksmith. So we do not want to circumvent the process. We don't want to stop before God is finished. And we maybe talk a little bit about that uh, in a few minutes more. And, And I know over the past few weeks that Pastor Wilbert has been walking us through learning more about the 12 disciples. Amen. The individuals that Jesus called to carry on the work of the church, and and it's been interesting to unpack their personalities, and it's inspiring to examine all of their actions, and amazing to learn all about the people that we thought we already knew, and their, you know, how their personalities would interconnect, and then, you know, we've got the inner and the outer, Circles. We've got Peter and Andrew that we've talked about, and Philip and Nathaniel, and James and John, and Thomas and Matthew and Judas. And we we've enjoyed the series, haven't we? We've enjoyed learning about them, but through the context of everything that has been taught, the most important thing that we are learning is what we are learning about us. It's what you are learning about you, because. How many have sat and listened to the scripture, and then all of a sudden you think, that, that sounds a lot like me. That sounds a lot like my circumstance, or that sounds a lot like my personality, or, or that's where I found myself. I, I'm, not, I'm not on the inner circle. I'm on the outer circle. I don't, I don't know. Hopefully none of us are identifying too closely with Judas right now. <laughs> but the most important things that we're learning about the disciples is that we're learning about us. And the responsibility, you know, the call came to the disciples, but then they had the responsibility to follow the call until God was finished with them. That is the the principle that we want to talk about. So we can talk about the disciples, but what I'd like to talk with us tonight about is discipline, because it's discipline that creates disciples. The scripture tells us that the word becomes a mirror for us to see ourselves in and and we have seen ourselves in the mirror of the word in the last few weeks. And I, and I think it's refreshing to know and to realize that God doesn't need perfect. He just needs committed. Not everyone's going to stick with it to the end of the journey, Judas. But I'm determined that I'm going to be one of the ones that will. Would you tap your neighbor and say, I'm going to be one of the ones that will. The critical factor to becoming a stick-it-out-to-the-end disciple is that you need to be willing to embrace the idea of discipline. And um, discipline is, is that, it's that element that you introduce to your life that you don't really like, but you know you need. In, discipline is that element that you introduce to yourself that allows you to become who God sees in you. That is what discipline will do. And, and maybe I'll just use a um, um, current up-to-date Illustration, Uh, discipline, discipline are the lines in your parking lot of life. Yeah, I and if you're a guest with us tonight, maybe you don't know, understand the excitement. But if you've been with us for the last three or four or five or six or seven or eight or nine weeks of the parking lot project without parking lot lines, then you know what I'm talking about. Life can get chaotic if you don't have order in the midst of your life. If you don't draw some lines and say, I'm, I'm going to stay in these boundaries, then it can get a little bit chaotic. And I just would like to hear one more amen. amen. And then just maybe one more amen about celebrating that we've got some lines on the parking lot. Whew, that that's a good one. It's order to the chaos of your parking lot of life is what discipline is. Paul, Paul starts off his book of colossians with a commission that he feels called to. Paul the apostle he senses a responsibility to strengthen the church. He he sees the church the way that it is and, and 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 maybe that is the calling that that rests in the heart of, you know, more than just pastors, it's apostles. Everything that we all the individuals that we we spoke about at the beginning of this lesson have a challenge to see the church the way that she is but then say I, I just see this this better church. I just see this this mature church. I I just see this church where, you know, God's not looking for uniform. God is looking for unified. And and sometimes when 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 people look out and they see the church, we, we have a wonderful church. This, is, this isn't uh, Pastor Jack's chance to come to service tonight so we can criticize everything that's going wrong with people. That's, that's not what we're talking about. It, it is an opportunity, though, to, to talk about that there is a picture of something that I see on the horizon that we're not there yet. So tonight is, is a talk about discipline so we can become who God is calling us to be. You know, the, the disciples that Jesus called off the Sea of Galilee weren't the same disciples that preached in Acts 2 and, and baptized souls in Acts 2. Those weren't the same people. There was a process between those two products. There was the individuals that he called, he saw something in them, but he saw something that they could be. And that is what it is tonight, is that God sees something in us that we can be. And the difference between who we are and who we become is this process called discipline <clears throat> and I don't expect anybody to run the aisles tonight I've been waiting for you to preach about this pastor Jack <laughs> I, I've been waiting I woke up in the middle of the night you know it, it's not it's not you know this is not revelation this is instruction I, I, I'd go as far as to say it's inspiration, but, but this is just instruction that God has given us. And, and when we walk into discipline, then God says, okay, if I can trust you with this little bit, then, then I can trust you with more. And, and if I can trust you here, then I can trust you there. And, and it's like taking your kids out on those first few drives when they get their permit. And the first question is, can we keep it between the lines? I was talking to a student, uh, somebody that was just learning to drive recently, and I said, you know, I, I, I took my kids out when they were like 13 and 14 to this field, because I didn't care if they got stuck in the field. I did care if they crossed the line into oncoming traffic. And until we learned to get it, you know, keep it between the, the, the little ruts on the field, then we weren't going out onto the road. But when we... When we were able to keep it between the ruts in the field, then we kept it between the lines on the road. And, and that ability that God sees in us when we're able to discipline ourselves. And he says, okay, let's, let's take it to the next step. Let's go to the next place. And Paul, Paul steps into this responsibility of, of teaching the church in Colossae. He said, I, Paul. And made a minister. And he talks. He's qualifying himself. Verse 24. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for you. He's talking about the church. In verse 25 he says. Whereof I am made a minister. Two times he mentions that. He said I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God. Which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. In verse 26 he said. Even the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations. from But now is made manifest to his saints. Verse 27. To whom God... These people, the saints, the, the church, the church of then and the church of now. He says, to whom God would make known what is the riches of his glory, of his mystery among the Gentiles. Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And God is in this process of releasing glory in our life. The hope of glory becomes a part of our life when Christ comes into lives and we become more than just the people that humanity can create we become the individuals that God has called Christ in you the riches not just that God was made manifest in the flesh but that the hope of glory is Christ in you. We, you know, Paul, has, the church knows that, that the glory of, of the incarnation, and, and he's talking about that, but he said, not just that, the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. That's, that's, that's a curiosity, that's a question mark for, for the Gentiles, because that God would come down and robe himself in flesh, that's a miracle in itself, but that we, we become the church who is Christ in you. Would you tap your neighbor and say, Christ is in you? That was a little hesitant, <laughs> I don't know what they did to you, what they said to you, but, but tap, tap somebody on the other, other side and say, "Christ is in you." And that's the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And, and I, I'm grateful tonight, if I was just to take a little pause in the, in the lesson, I'm grateful tonight for a message of salvation that only puts us, that not only puts us in the church, but that also puts Christ in us. Are't you thankful for that tonight? I'm thankful for the message of salvation that, that I'm grateful that someone, someone taught me in a Sunday school room somewhere to repent of my sins. And, and I'm grateful for, for the opportunity that somebody presented one day and I saw the need for baptism. I'm grateful for that, but I'm grateful that they didn't stop there. I'm grateful that somebody said, and you can receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, that the promise goes deeper, and it goes further, and it reaches into your life, and Christ can come in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. I'm grateful for that gift tonight. I'm I'm thankful for, for the fact that somebody encouraged me to stay and to seek for the gift of the Holy Ghost until I received the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm grateful for someone that just encouraged me and, and kept praying with me in an altar. And, and it wasn't just one time or two times. It wasn't just one Sunday or two Sundays. It was, a, it was a few Sundays before little Jack realized how to open up his spirit and open up my life to God and give everything over and yield it all. But, but somewhere, someone just didn't say, oh, he's just a kid, it doesn't matter. He, he doesn't know what the Holy Ghost is or how would he know. And, and i just like to say this, nobody knows what the Holy Ghost is until it comes in your life. This isn't a maturity thing. As a matter of fact, a, a child maybe have a, has a greater opportunity to receive because they have childlike faith. And they're just going to take it at His word. But but aren't you grateful that someone stayed and prayed with you until you received the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues? I, I'm thankful today that that isn't just, come on, that isn't just a story, but that's an actual, come on, reality that we get to walk into. And, and I know that we're Pentecostals tonight, so this is one of our lessons and this is one of our messages, but I wish someone would really celebrate it for a moment with me, would you? Come on, Christ in you. It isn't just print on ancient parchment. It's a reality that comes into our lives. Our spirit gets open and Christ comes in our lives. That spirit that moves in has a divine purpose attached to it. God doesn't come in because he's happy with the way the house is. God comes in and moves into our lives because he wants us to become the bride of Christ. He wants us to grow in Christ. And, and, and I just, I'm so thankful today that we've got that message that preaches about a God that's willing to live on the inside. That promise received, that promise is the gift that God gives. But it's like, um, it's like a gift that comes with a responsibility. It's got some stuff attached to it. Um, yeah. Anyone ever received a gift like that? They aren't always the, the funnest gifts to get. Oh, thank you for the shovel, Kathy. <laughs> well, yes, that's a beautiful dish towel. Thank you. Sometimes there's a little, little message attached with the gift. Anyone, come on. It's gift-getting ready season. We're not into gift-getting yet season. We're we're getting ready season. Anyone, or maybe you, someone else has got all the gifts already. Anybody? I see one hand back there, but I can't see who it is. I literally can't see who it is. Anyhow, the lights are off. No, uh, everyone's home. <laughs> Growth. Growth in God is part of the responsibility that comes with the gift of God. Christ in you has a purpose of working through you. And until he has the building cleaned, you know, I, 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 my, my family has identified that, uh, that I have ADD. I don't know if I do or not. Now, maybe some of you know that I do or maybe some of you know that I don't. I'd appreciate your input feedback i don't <clears throat> I don't know none of this is in the notes tonight, so that may be my first clue <laughs> What was I saying <laughs> yeah they they've identified that maybe i've <clears throat> I've got a little attention deficit disorder I like to. Chase rabbits, or whatever it is they they call them, in conversations, and I we we really do appreciate Pastor Matt and Pastor Eric and staff meetings because they keep us tracking. And I, I had a friend of mine, actually, Pastor Anthony Balstero in Clearwater, Florida. I guess I've been <clears throat> told that I'm a little bit like him, and maybe they're onto something because because in his meetings apparently there's there's a little stuffed rabbit that they bought stuffed rabbit for staff meetings and when he starts chasing rabbits someone's allowed to pick up the rabbit and throw it at the pastor so I don't know if we should give each section a rabbit just comes flying at the platform but it's easy it's easy for us to get off off track and miss the moment that God is calling us to it's easy for us to get distracted away from the purpose that God is calling us to. Paul's trying to help us realize the responsibility that we have. He, he said, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. But that comes with some stuff attached to it, a responsibility that you have to follow through on. But then I like where the verses go next in verse 28 of chapter 1. Paul's going on, he says, this Christ in you, this, this Christ is who we preach. We warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect or mature in Christ. Wherefore, whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. And if you're taking notes tonight, and maybe even if you're not, if you want to grab a pen, here's just five points that are in those two verses that I want to acknowledge tonight, and then we'll get ready to to wrap the lesson up. But there are Um, there's a, a lesson right there about discipleship that's given to us. And the first thing, number one, is the goal of discipleship. The goal of discipleship. In verse 28, and that is preaching Jesus. That we have a responsibility. Paul said, whom we preach. We have a responsibility to preach Jesus. The goal of discipleship is that we preach Christ. That is the goal. And, and that the preaching of Christ isn't limited to the platform and it's not restricted to the pulpit. That the preaching of Christ goes beyond this room into conversations in coffee shops and it goes into conversations in our living room and it goes into conversations on that new cell phone that you just got. You're so excited about it. Thank God. Praise God. But the goal of discipleship is that all of a sudden our following Christ becomes a reality of our living life. Until discipleship Create something in us, a passion for us, until we are willing. The goal of discipleship is that we preach Christ, warning, and then the responsibility goes on to the heart of discipleship. Number two, the heart of discipleship is that we warn every man. Not just the occasional conversation with people, but that, that when, when we are walking in discipleship, there is something that gets a hold of us, and the conversation about warning every man becomes a part of our reality. It becomes a part of our existence. It becomes a part of the conversation that we have. That's discipleship. That the heart of discipleship becomes this goal to warn every man. And then there's the tools of discipleship in verse 28. It says that we are teaching every man in all wisdom. So, you know, we have this responsibility to preach Christ. And then we have this responsibility to warn every man. And then we've got this... Method that we employ to teach every man in all wisdom. To move them up the ladder of maturity. That we have this responsibility to, to preach Christ. And not just to a limited few, but to everybody. That's discipleship. And then discipleship says don't just leave them when they end up in the altar at seven years old talking in tongues. But let people lean in their lives. And help them learn more about how they become who God is calling them to be. I'm grateful for every Sunday school teacher that put up with ADE Jack. I'm grateful for every youth leader and director and pastor. And I'm grateful for pastors that spoke into our lives and people that grabbed us and, and said, come on, let's, let's be the people that God called us to be. I'm grateful for youth camps. and I'm grateful for youth conventions. I'm, I'm thankful for conferences. And I'm thankful for people that still reach out and, and are challenging us to become better. Because discipleship never stops. The discipleship becomes a part of our activity in every day life, teaching every man. So we've got n- number one, the goal of discipleship, preaching Jesus. Number two, the heart of discipleship, warning every man. Number three, the tools of discipleship, teaching every man in all wisdom. And then number four, the product of discipleship is presenting every man mature in Christ. That every, you know, that we have this, the product, we see the work that discipleship does. So the people that are disciplined reproduce themselves in other disciples. It's not rocket science, people. We can do this. You can do this. Everybody can do this. When we, when we introduce discipleship into our lives, it begins to reproduce itself in others. It allows us to teach every man. Scripture didn't isolate any individual. It didn't isolate any people group. It didn't isolate any other religious people. It didn't isolate anyone. Every man has the opportunity to become, presenting every man mature in Christ. And we warn every man, Paul said, that we may teach every man, that we may present every man. That's basically it summed up. We warn every man that we may teach every man so we can present every man. That's not a limited gospel. That's a gospel to everybody. And finally, point five, the cost of discipleship. Paul said, I also labor and strive. Toil and struggle are the ingredients of discipline. That is, that is the hard part of discipline. Because, I, uh, man, I, I wish we could find the easy discipline. The easy road discipline. I, I wish we could find that, but it's, unfortunately, it's just not there. But what Paul's speaking about, where every person gets impacted, happens when we are willing to discipline our lives. We, it's way funner talking about disciples. You see, the, the word has become so disconnected from the reality of who they were and what they did. It's discipline that creates disciples. So yes, we are learning about their disciples, their networking and their connecting and their learning and their strengths and their weaknesses. And we're watching how their decisions produce the outcomes in their lives. And we're, we're learning the nuances of their personalities. But, but none of them were allowed to escape the requirement of being disciplined. They all changed to become who God called them to be the raw material was there like the blacksmith that takes it into his shop the raw material was there the beginnings of creation was there the beginnings of the opportunity was there but 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 they had to take a trip to the anvil and and there's some some work that had to be done in their lives they had, they had to take a trip back to the forge, it's back there underneath the L, and the, the, the metal had to get heated up, and there's some things that came into their experience that weren't easy, and it was difficult, and, 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 and the contempt of the people that were around them, and, and that's, the, that's the work of the disciples, that's the, the walk of the disciples, but they didn't quit, they kept continuing, to become who God had called them to be. And and God allows us to experience all these things. It's the forming on the anvil that God does in our lives. And, and nobody likes the forming. You know. They say. They say you can pound nails with shore SM58s. This is a beta 58. I'm not going to try it. But, you know The. That God works in our lives. We, we dislike that part of it. But God says, I see something on the other side. I, I see the, the finished product. I see what you're becoming. I, I don't just see what you were. I, I'm grateful for it. The product is powerful. The product, you know, everything that made it great is what made it difficult. And God saw you that way too. Everything that makes you great is also some of the things that make you difficult. That's honest. That's honest. The decisions that we make that are good prompt us to make better decisions. And the disciples, there was all kinds of learning. But at the end, it was those individuals that pushed the church into the church age to become who God had called them to be. That was the end product. When he called them off the fishing boat, it's because he saw them preaching in the streets of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. When he called them off the fishing boat, he saw us in 71 Downing Street talking about people that gave up the things that they wanted to do so they could become the people God wanted them to be. We do learn. And I'm finishing, and we can come back to the music. The decisions that we make and that are good, we we see the product of our good decisions. We see the product of obedience and we learn by observation. And part of the role of parents is to, to bring discipline and introduce that into a children's life so that they don't make mistakes later on that hurt worse. A fall from 1.5 feet doesn't hurt nearly as much as a fall from 5 foot 8. It hurts now when I go down. So we can learn and, and we, we can allow... The school of hard knocks. There's, there's there's some different areas where we learn. We learn the school of hard in the school of hard knocks. It's the, it's that place where we have to see the consequences of our poor decisions. It's the layer of life where God allows us to live some things out that we personally don't like because of the decisions that we made. And thankfully for God's grace and His mercy, there are times when He intervenes and He moves things out of the way and He keeps us from the from what could have been but there still is that school of hard knocks we 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 can learn there or or we can seek intentionally we can look for people to mentor us we can we can hear and heed the people that God has placed in our lives the apostles the prophets the evangelists the the pastors and the teachers we can we can listen to the peers that love us and parents that care for us or we, we, we can listen in those elements and, and we can learn there and we can discipline ourselves in those areas. We can, we can educate ourselves. God's given us that much smarts that we can continue to, we can determine to continue our own education on our own. That we can read books that we want to read on topics where we know we need help. You know you better than any of us. You know you. That's why God places the responsibility of discipline firmly in your hands. Books that we can read and and let's bring the Bible into Bible study. The word of God, the entrance of that word brings light. God, your word is that mirror. We see better. Um, <clears throat> we know when you didn't look in the mirror before you came. I've left services before and realized, Jack, you had your glasses on half the day and you didn't check your hair before you went to the pulpit because I have this beautiful part right in the middle of my head I'm at that age where the glasses are only here for reading and then they're up on my head just for viewing but the mirror tells us a lot doesn't it it'll tell you it won't lie you get the you get the plain truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth In the mirror. Well, the Word is the same way. When we read the Word, all of a sudden we're pricked in our heart, and and God says, I just want to show you a little bit about you. I just wanted to reveal, I just releasing a little, little truth about what you need to know about you. Don't you love the Word of God? Maybe the unsaid point tonight so far is that discipleship doesn't just happen, you have to be determined to be a disciple. Galatians 5.24 And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. The disciples responded to that promise that Jesus would make them fishers of men. But they had no idea that it included being hated by the people that most people love. They didn't realize that That encompassed leaving everything that they loved behind. They had no idea that they were going to be embarking on a journey of ongoing discipleship. But the people that they became was worth all of the struggle to become. Their discipleship produced men and women that turned the world upside down. So if I could take us back to the blacksmith shop tonight. That blacksmith's shop it starts with the rawest of raw material that piece of iron when he begins it has to be shaped and formed And the product that has no idea of its purpose is already in the hands of the blacksmith tonight we've got to be willing to say god i'm placing my life in your hands romans said nay O man who art thou that repliest against god so the thing formed Say to him that formed it, why hast thou made me thus? Before you you begin the litany of excuses about why you can't be a disciple, God said, don't question why I made you the way I made you. Don't question the person that I created. Don't question me about you. I've got you right where I need you. Now, let me begin to form you. Let me begin to work in your life. And he may start by cutting our lives to length. And he may place us in the fire. But God is at work creating who he sees us becoming. And it happens in this process called discipleship. No matter where God takes us or where God leads us, we have the confidence to know that God isn't trying to finish us. God is trying to make us the person that he is creating. It's the fire that makes the metal more malleable. It's not there to destroy it. It's there to to fashion it. It's there to fabricate it. It's there to break some of the stuff down that needs to be broken down so so the creation can happen. But God said, when we walk through the fire, we shall not be burned. And when the flame is kindled upon us, that it's not going to, it's not going to, it's not going to consume us. God is just working in us. It's not just that. It's it's that heat. You know, in the blacksmith shop, it's the heat that allows the product to be shaped and formed. But but more than that, it's the process. The heat is the process. You can't get hard steel without heat. You know, now we get stuff knocked off of assembly lines. And there's hydraulics. And there's all kinds of pressure and power and horsepower that kind of creates cold-stamped steel. And, and you can get product without any of this effort. It's just kind of a blanket shot into the machine and it comes out a product on the other side it's just cold stamp steel but but the creation that 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 scripture refers to and the creation you know you you but you can't create hardness any other way than heat it's got to go into the fire it's got to go into the fire and it's got to be heated up to 1400 degrees and then when it reaches one extreme tell me this isn't a lot like life it reaches the one extreme of extreme heat it's red hot it's just sizzling it's just and then then that that item is taken and it's plunged into cold water <laughs> And in that quenching process, that hardens the steel. And, and then if God's not finished with your life, we just went from one extreme to the other. But God says, I'm creating something in you. I'm hardening you. I'm working in you. I'm acting on your behalf. And this, this process hardens steel. But then, then if you want the steel to be tempered, it's another step yet again. And it's heated up to just before it's that cherry red temperature. And it's left there for a season of time to allow the steel to be tempered. And the tempered allows it to be, have a, a laser sharp edge. It's the tempering that allows it to be sharp. And so it's a useful tool. And it can be very thin. and It can, can work in some great areas. But it's, it only happens if it's tempered. And, and there's this responsibility that God leads us through life. And we may be saying, God, what are you doing? Why have you put us in the fire? God said, I'm, I'm just working the work. Don't, don't stop now. If we're not careful, you can preach too hard and it can sound like too much. But if you stay with the process, God will create the product. And you'll never regret it if you do. It was one of the songs that helped me in my teen years. It was Stephen Curtis Chapman that sang about Christ calling the disciples. The great adventure is what it was called. Well, if that isn't a word for it, I don't know what is. This is the great adventure. God will take you to places you never imagined you'd go. God will allow you to see things that you never imagined you'd see. God will open doors you never imagined could or would open. But God takes us through some places that you never thought he would to get there. But if you'll stay with it, God will... Galatians 4 and 9, 19 rather... Paul said, My little children of whom I travail in birth again, until Christ be formed in you. God's in this process of doing things over, and you say, Well, I already failed once, Pastor Jack. It doesn't matter. God says, let's let's work it again, until Christ is formed in you. Let's walk through the process again. Let's get back on the anvil again. Let's 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 heat this up again until 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 Christ is formed in you. And if Christ. Is formed in us then we are becoming the people that god has called us to be standing together with me when christ called 12 disciples he didn't look for people that were perfect he wanted the job of perfecting them and that's the way it is in our lives god didn't call us because we're perfect he wants the duty and the job and the exciting process Of allowing us to become Christ in us. And that happens when we subject and move into that place of discipline. Having therefore these promises dearly beloved. Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. God keep working in my life. Until I become who you called me to be. Discipleship is the decision to live the way that God would desire us to live until we become more like him and less like ourselves discipleship is personal it's got to be you only you know if you're disciplining yourself it's it's personal discipline let's get really this is the end of the lesson this is where we all have the altar call and everyone feels it in your spirit can i break the mold for a minute tonight personal disciplines mean destroying laziness Do what you can do instead of focusing on what you can't. Get rid of all the excuses. Go to work. Be ready and willing to learn. Oh, Pastor Jack, I feel the Holy Ghost. (laughs) I do. Personal disciplines. Remove us from the equation. We become disciples to do the work that God has called us to do, not to offer excuses about what we can't. Hallelujah. Start at Jericho. We, we, were, we, were, we were talking instead, yeah. rabbit, some kind of rabbit. We're starting, <laughs> we're talking to staffing. Pastor Matt said, Yesterday or today, we were in meetings for quite a bit, yesterday and today, without rabbits. He said, maybe we should get rid of that back row back there because we haven't had a Jericho in a long time. time. I said, yeah, it's like the Bible school students started doing a whirlpool. <laughs> Start a whirlpool. But get rid of all the excuses. Be willing to work in the harvest. Discipline. Serve one another in love. Serve in our community. Get beyond the four walls. Let your little light shine. Wow. You says, it's just personal disciplines. Then there, there are spiritual disciplines, and this is where we get churchy. Read the word daily. Pray daily. Without ceasing. Attend, church, so much the more as you see the day approaching. Get involved. Be a participator. Don't just be an attender. Be a part of what God is doing in the world. Be a disciple. Get off the boat and get in action. Let's go. It's time to have revival. Revival is spelled W-O-R-K. It's work. That's revival. Get involved. Be a participator. Don't just be an attender. Give. Give of your time, and give of your talent, and give of your treasure, and give your tithes, and give in the offering, and give to missions, and just give. Become a person of generosity, and watch how God, you go let it go out one hand, and God puts it in the other. Watch how God works that way. That's what happens with disciples. It's five loaves and two fishes. It's God taking water and into wine. It's God performing the miracle in the midst of just product. It's just, that's discipleship. Watching God do the miracle when you didn't expect it or anticipate it. It's discipline. It's about learning the power of prayer and finding out on your own. It doesn't have to be in a service, but realizing God can talk to you and realizing that burden can rest on you and realizing that you are part of the revival that happens. And it's not just in service. It's preaching and teaching and every man that's the work of discipleship, become become the man or woman of God that grows the kingdom of God first internally and personally and then externally and corporately first it was the 12 then it was 120 and then it's Jerusalem, and Judea, and Samaria and Fredericton New Brunswick Canada North America a world that happens when disciples get disciplined. Let's pray together, Lord. We know the lesson goes beyond this room. God is going to reach into our lives and allow us to become the people that you're calling us to be. Oh, come on, someone just make this, make this a little apostolic tonight, if you would. I hear the prayer right there. I, I appreciate the the reverence to the moment and the, what God is speaking about right now. But would someone just just lift your voice if Christ is in you, the hope of glory, would you allow, come on, would you allow the gift gift of the Holy Ghost to begin to speak in your life? Someone just talk in that heavenly language for a moment. Someone talk to God about your life. Someone talk to him about your future. Someone, someone be encouraged tonight. God's called you in spite of, Everything that you think is wrong, God's saying, let me work with you. I've got a plan for your life. God, don't let us leave this room without purpose attached to the lesson that's been preached tonight. God, challenge us and encourage us. I thank you for every person that's here. God, lead us and order our steps. Direct us. God, open the doors before us that need to open. Shut the ones that don't. God until you are formed in us help us to go back again and again work on us Jesus we pray we need you God we need your spirit at work in our lives our world needs you to work through us we pray in Jesus name we ask would someone shout in Jesus name it's been so good to be in the house of the Lord together it's been good to unpack the word of God with you you're dismissed we love you take this lesson Make it a part of who you are and what you are and what God is becoming. What you are becoming in God. God bless you.